Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Um, well, welcome to At The Movies. At The Movies is our November series and we put it purposefully in November. Obviously, sometimes by November we start to feel a bit tired. Teachers are over it. Students are vaguing out. Um, you know, workers are like, they can see the end in sight. There's a break coming up. They can feel it. And on top of that, we've had one of the most crazy years that I have ever experienced and lived in. And so um, we, we purposely put it in November to help us deal with all of that. Uh, and I'm today going to be talking about something that I saw this week. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, if you saw it this week, clearly you have pirated any clip you're about to show. Um, That's not the case. Uh, Actually, we had been scheduled to see it in March, and then Jade and Tyson went and got married, and we had to cancel. And uh, and then we scheduled, rescheduled for June, and we were ready to go. Kids were amped. We were all in Sydney ready. And then, sure enough... um, that was the day that Sydney went into lockdown and so we came home and isolated for two weeks. And then finally this week on Tuesday night, we went to go and see Hamilton, the stage show. And yeah, thank you. Third time lucky. And uh, I know you were actually clapping. I just saw who was clapping. It was Nathan Tainch who was clapping Hamilton rather than the fact that we got to see it. Um, now I know what you're thinking. Stage show. Are you... Are you talking about musical theatre, Bron? Have I got any musical theatre fans in the house? Have I got anyone that would rather stab their eye with a fork than see something musical theatre? You are going to hate your life for a few minutes this morning. And, uh, and, uh, and I am blessed to help God work out in you what he wants to work out in you. But don't worry about it. Um, even if you hate musical theatre with everything, yes, I see you, Benny Longmire, um, but even if you hate it, uh, there's some big thoughts to take away this morning that I really think you're going to get a lot out of. I'm not preaching from Hamilton, I'm preaching from the Bible and using Hamilton as an example, and God's Holy Spirit is able to get a hold of you and His Word won't return void. Uh, and so Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, his name is Alexander Hamilton, and he actually um, is from He's the first um, Secretary of the Treasury. He's one of the American founding fathers. Uh, it, the actual musical production is a hip-hop musical. And uh, it's this guy, if we want to put up the $10 bill. Um, there he is, Alexander Hamilton. And have you ever, like, never been more interested at the start of a message than when I said Treasury uh, or State? Okay. And so here is Alexander Hamilton. He's an orphan. Um, he was born illegitimately to a Scotsman and a prostitute. His uh, father ran out on him when he was young and his mother died of a fever when he was young. A hurricane hit the town that they lived in. He survived and actually wrote about it and everyone recognised the gift that he had passed the hat around and sent him to the mainland, sent him to New York uh, to see what he could do. And so this first clip that we're going to look at is really giving you a bit of the backstory of Alexander Hamilton. Um, the, the, like, it's a massive franchise. It's really hard to find any clips. Unfortunately, Mikey wouldn't let me pirate them from Disney+. Plus, and, and so we just had to go YouTube and what's freely available. Uh, and so if you're listening to the podcast today, um, later on, I don't know why I'm looking in the room, um, then you'll just have a bit of a break. But it's essentially the Australian cast. And then it switches to the OBC, which I found out on Thursday from Kate, stands for Original Broadway Cast, la-di-da. And, uh, and we'll have a look and, and then we'll come back and learn a lesson from it. There would have been 
nothing left to do for someone less astute. He would have been dead or destitute without a cent or restitution. Started working, working for his late mother's landlord. Trading sugar cane and rum and all the things he can't afford. Standing for every book he can get his hands on. Planning for the future, see him now as he stands on the bow of a ship. Headed for a new land. When's it gonna get me? In my sleep, seven feet ahead of me? If I see it coming, do I run or do I let it be? Is it like a beat without a melody? See, I never thought I'd live past 20. Where I come from, some get half as many. Ask anybody why we live in fast. And we laugh, reach for a flask. We have to make this moment last. That's plenty. Scratch that. This is not a moment, it's the movement. We're up hungry as brothers with something to prove. When foes oppose us, we take an honest stand. We roll like Moses. But Jesus, between all the bleeding and fighting, I've been reading and writing. We need to handle our financial situation. Are we a nation of states? What's the state of our nation? We pass patiently, waiting and passionately smashing every expectation, every action, the act of creation. I'm laughing in the face of casualties and sorrow. For the first time, I'm thinking past tomorrow. you're thinking Evan how did you possibly combine three of my passions in politics musical theater and hip-hop in one clip blessed hashtag blessed um, the first point uh, this morning is know your origin story you know that that song that Hamilton talks about he, he had all that backstory had all that history and the reason that he's so um, relentlessly in pursuit of what he wants the reason that he's so tenacious the reason that he's so resilient is because he's got this backstory uh, and that works for him both in good ways and in bad ways but it's so important for him to understand it in order for him to be able to move forward into his future so that he does not give away his shot and uh, and it says that he's young scrappy and hungry that, that's his origin story he's just like his country he's young scrappy and hungry in fact uh, the Australian Hamilton was a bit more rotund 
And Bella said to me at intermission, well, I believe he's young and scrappy. <laughs> Maybe not so hungry. Um, but um, he, he's living in this relentless pursuit because he knows his origin story. You know what? For us, church, it's so important that we know and understand our origin story. And we need to know, firstly, that our origin story doesn't start with whatever happened in your history. Your origin story starts in the mind of God. Your origin story starts there. It's, it starts, as Psalm 39 puts it, Psalm 39 verse 13, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. This is incredible. God created you. If we think that we're a self-starter, we need to work a lot harder, then we're going to find ourselves in a place where everything depends on us and that's too much for us. We're just human. We can't handle that. But if we understand that actually God set us up, that He wired us a certain way, that He knit us together, that He had a plan for us, that all the days of our life were written in His book, then we get to understand that actually He's the one who's taking us forward. We can rest in the knowledge that our loving God has got our times in His hands. And I know that some of us would say, what's He doing then? Well, we can go no matter what. He's able to work good in the midst of it. He's able to work it all together for our good. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 from the message paraphrase says this, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. What a great passage. Make it, get, understand who you are. Understand why you do the things you do. Understand how your history has played into that so that you might overcome it. Make a careful exploration so that you might move forward in victory and in faith and in strength. Don't worry about what old mates got going for them. Don't worry about what anyone else is wired like. Think about who God has created you to be and bring that with your creative best to every environment that you come to. God did not make an accident with you. He loves you. He formed you. And he wants you to bring who you are to every circumstance and situation. So there's a king in the Bible called King David. And uh, we're going to go to a verse in just a moment. But I want to give you the backstory. But I'd like to do it in keeping with the creative fashion of this morning. So if we could play the next clip. King Saul has gone proud. Play to the crowd, to his own self. He has now bowed. God's favour has now moved on. The new king will be one of Jesse's sons. Check it. The youngest one of eight sons. Oh, darn, I forgot it. All right, hang on, hang on, hang on. This is too good, no. I can't deprive the people of this. We've got to start again. I'll just read it. <laughs> okay, can we start again, please? Right, I'll read it properly now. King Saul has gone proud, played to the crowd, to his own self. He has now bowed. God's favour has now moved on. The new king will be Jesse's son. Check it. The youngest one of eight sons. The unwanted job is what he does. The prophet anoints him with oil down it runs. Now he's a shepherd boy who carries lunch to the battlefront. Giant Goliath yelling, stop it, son. It's on the front. Uncircumcised Philistine don't even rhyme. David bringing lunch to his older brother warriors. Goes to King Saul and he hears a giant go. 
<laughs> Who is this punk so tall standing over us, making us feel so small? God is with us all. How can this be happening? King says you want to make a stand. You're a kid, not a man. We're outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, outplanned. You want to make an all-out stand? Well, you boy, you're not a man. Oh. White girl rappers unite! Okay. <laughs> and in answer to that, David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. See, King David knew his origin story. He knew that God was looking after him. He knew that God had a plan for his life and he took what was good out of the past and what God's plan was for him and he brought it into the future with him. So when you know your origin story, it's great to understand the mess and the chaos and everything else, but make sure you bring with you all the good and bring that and and the testimonies from your past so that you can stand in the present. He is a good God. The second takeaway is where should you be? Where should you be? The clip we're about to watch, last one, Evan. The clip is just two scenes. The first is at Hamilton's wedding where the, the bride's sister's toasting them. The key phrase here is, you will never be satisfied. And then the second clip is when they're trying to convince him to take a break from his work. So let's go ahead and watch that. Congress. The old got to get my plan through Congress. 
Galatians 6, as we've read, says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself, Read, because otherwise you'll think it's all on you and you won't be in the places that you need to be. Don't compare yourself with others. Otherwise, you'll think that you need to work harder and harder to try and match what they're doing. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. 2 Samuel chapter 11 says this, In the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messages to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Then David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, go on home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he'd left the palace, but Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked, what's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? Uriah replied, the ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents and Joab and my master's men are camping in open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. Well, stay here today, David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again, he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest, then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Then Joab sent a battle report to David. He told his messenger, report all the news of the battle to the king, but he might get angry and ask, why did the troops go so close to the city? Didn't they know there would be shooting from the walls? Wasn't Abimelech, son of Gideon, killed at Thebes by a woman who threw a millstone down on him from the wall? Why would you go so close to the wall? Then tell him, Uriah the Hittite was killed too. So the messenger went to Jerusalem and gave a complete report to David. The enemy came out against us in the open fields, he said, and as we chased them back to the city gate, the archers on the wall shot arrows at us. Some of the king's men were killed, including Uriah the Hittite. Well, tell Joab not to be discouraged, David said. The sword devours this one today and that one tomorrow. Fight harder next time, conquer the city. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David has done. You might be thinking, Bron, that really long reading is horrific. And I guess at least you can tell people if they ever say the Bible's boring that you found a chapter that isn't. But but the clue is the first and the second verse. It says here, in the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. And late one afternoon, he got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. So David was not where he should have been. And so the question for us this morning is, where should you be? Where are you supposed to be? 
Yeah, Hamilton does the same. We just saw that they were trying to convince him to take a break. He was working relentlessly. And this woman called Maria Reynolds comes to him and, and she's in dire straits and, and they end up sleeping together. And then he ends up even paying her husband to continue to sleep with her. And then later, uh, he's accused of um, mismanaging funds because they find check stubs written out to the husband. And um, Madison and Jefferson come to him and say, have you been stuffing around? And he says, no, and I'm innocent and I'll prove it. And so he writes what's called the Reynolds pamphlet and distributes it everywhere about how he actually was not mismanaging funds. He was just mismanaging his family time and sleeping with someone else's wife. And his wife has to read that and his son reads that and they have to live with that. And it's all because he just wasn't where he should have been. And so the question is, where should you be? Because if you aren't where you should be, you're where, you're sh- where you shouldn't be. If you aren't worshipping God, what are you worshipping? If you aren't doing God first giving, what first giving are you doing? If you aren't building your family, what is it that you are building instead? If you aren't bringing the kingdom of God to earth, what have you decided to be bringing instead? Where should you be? And what does this season of life require of you? Where are you supposed to be and where are you not? Finally, what do you want your life song to be? What do you want the soundtrack of your life to be? What do you want your life song to be? Um, Casting Crowns wrote a song back in the day. uh, Let my life song sing to you. I want to sign your name to the end of each day, Lord, led. My heart was true. Let my life song sing to you. Now, Leonard Cohen would have King David's life song be, I saw her bathing on a roof. My faith was weak, but I needed proof. You can finish it. I don't know the rest of the song. Um, But you know what? There's so many songs that King David's could have been. Like, that's a horrific story. But because of the grace of God and his willingness to admit to God that he was wrong eventually, God's able to forgive him. God's able to move him forward. No matter what we do in our life, God is able to take us and move us forward if we'll submit our life song to him. David's life song ends up being Psalm 23. It's his most well-known song. You know, his son, King Solomon, has 300 wives and 700 concubines. And he writes over a thousand songs. And his song of songs is all about sex. Dude had a problem. But that was his life song, his song of songs. And, and I know that we say, oh, it's about Jesus and the church. I haven't discovered it yet. I'm sure I will. Um, but but it's, it's a bit crazy. But really, David's song is Psalm 23. Let's, you know, we're not um, a traditional church, so we don't tend to read stuff together. We don't tend to say stuff, but it's so important. It's something that we've lost. And so church, let's say this together. Let's read this psalm out together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. You know, that... That psalm is so amazing because there's other psalms that David wrote that are like, my bones are worn out from shaking. 
I have been sleepless all night. I've had the rottenest time. I'm scared witless. There's all these Psalms that he writes, but then he writes a Psalm like that, a Psalm full of faith that even in the midst of his circumstance, he trusts God to bring him through it. Can anyone testify and say, yeah, awful circumstances, but God's brought me through it. Are there anyone today? That's awesome. So good. And we can continue to trust God. We continue to quote Psalms like this about our own life. May our life song be like Acts 13, 22, that says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Wouldn't that be awesome if God could say that about us? Well, in 2020, last year, I turned 40, and I said to my kids, all I want from you is for you to perform something for me. That would be my present. And they went one better and they actually wrote a song for me. And so they wrote a life song for me to the tune of Alexander Hamilton. I give you Bronwyn Hilary Bunnell. A desert pastor, half orphan, daughter of a teacher and a farmer. Dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in Australia. By providence moved from Cowra to Tamworth. Grow up to be a big man senior pastor. The chapel family, mother without a father, got a lot farther by working a lot harder, by being a lot smarter, by being a self starter. By 18, she earned herself a 92 ATAR. And every day while bankers were being piled up and bought out of brains, across the day she struggled to keep the jokes up. Side, she was longing for a new church to be a part of. The sister was ready to pray, preach, follow, and pastor. Then Darren Francis came and denied gap rain. Maureen saw bronze future drip, dripping down the drain. Put a pencil to the page, their marriage would be insane. And they moved to Tattenworth, a testament to their faith. Well, time passed away, they said, This chick is amazing. <laughs> Northwest to the chapel, that's the name now. It's ranging to your tree. Harmless passion change lives, and the world's gonna know your name. What's your name, man? Just you wait, Bronwyn Hillary Bunnell. Bronwyn Hillary Bunnell. 
the whole world sings for you. You've never backed down, but you've never been on time. Oh, Roland Hillary Bennell, your hungry kid sings for you. Will they know what you overcame? The unblown out flame. The world will never Compared to the past, thirties are retarded. Can't hold her down, mother. Nothing's gonna stop her. We came from her. He married her. He works for her, and he died for her and me. I'm her favorite. There's a million things she hasn't done, but just you wait. What's your name, mom? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I was going to say, of course, they didn't tell all the bad things in my life, but they really did. They mocked me silly. Um, but that's awesome. Um, let me ask, what would your... Because if that was my life song, like with all the bad bits, obviously, that they did leave out, oh, stoked. But even with the bad bits, because they helped me become who I am for the good bits... And so what would your life song be to this point? Is it, I can't get no satisfaction? Is it, highway to hell? Is it, I get knocked down, I get back up again, there's nothing that can keep me down? What would the life song be for you? And I just ask, why not make it Amazing Grace? Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.